talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome to the View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined once again by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, we're going to be breaking down, going through week two from around the western side of the state in the IHSA spring season. We'll also look ahead to week three. And the second half, we'll also be talking to Kyle Kampmeyer from NUIC Football. They do great work on Twitter. You can find them. They also do stuff on Facebook and on YouTube. He always has great insights to the NUIC. So I figured if we're going to be talking about them, we should bring him on. So that's going to be a great conversation I'm looking forward to. But Mitch, more great football this week in week two. A lot of good games and just a lot of, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, um, as excited as we were the past uh, week or two um, and seeing some performances and some teams that might have either surprised us or uh, intrigued us, it's the same thing this past week. We saw a lot of things that we'll talk about um, in terms of personal uh, performances, but a lot of teams that are, even if they might not be winning, they're, they're showing signs that they're going to be putting together a strong spring, and hopefully that's something that they're going to build on uh, into the fall. And, and with teams that maybe are winning, or 2-0 and o teams at this point, interesting to see is this what we're gonna is this a preview of what we're gonna see in the fall so yeah uh, exciting as always exactly well before we jump into our viewpoints as always thank you to everybody for listening for downloading for subscribing you can find us on apple Podcasts. you can find us on podbean you know you can find us anywhere you want to listen to a podcast how about that also yeah. head over to twitter we're tweeting stuff out at at viewfromwestpod on twitter you can also email the show at viewfromwestpod at gmail.com well, Mitch, let's jump into what we saw in week two. We call it our viewpoints. What's your first viewpoint from week number two? Sure. Uh, my, my first viewpoint, and Greg, I, I, put, I put this on, on alert last week. I put the Mustangs on upset alert. Yeah. And it came true. Rock Ridge, the Rockets, they come from behind. They were trailing at the end of the third quarter. Uh, and they've become only the second team to beat Morrison since the last game of the 2018 season. So, uh, we mentioned last week, maybe Rock Ridge was a team that we didn't talk a whole lot about, but Braden Deem and Peyton Locke combined for all five touchdowns in that game. They, they run away with it. Like, like I said, that we haven't seen in a while against teams that play Morrison against that defense. 34-22 over the number four or number five, whatever ranking you want to look at over the Mustangs. So uh, kudos to Rock Ridge moving to 2-0. Yeah, my first viewpoint, I'm going with hustle plays, Mitch. I'm going with those plays. It's that little extra effort that can make all the difference. My first play that I saw that stuck out to me, Mercer County's Brecken Henricks, Heinrichs in the fourth quarter against, in their game against Ridgewood had a blocked punt that ended up setting up the Golden Eagles inside of Ridgewood territory to set up the go-ahead and eventual game-winning touchdown in that game. I just love seeing that extra effort to get to the punter, block that punt in a huge situation like that, that was it. That set up the win for them, essentially. Mm -hmm. The other play that I saw, this was huge. I mean, how important it was in the moment. Time winding down, Moline trying to hold on to a lead against Alleman. Alleman pioneer Jack Padding strips the ball out of the Moline offensive uh, player. He's able to scoop it up, return it 26 yards for the game-tying touchdown with just a minute left. Alleman goes into overtime and wins the game. You just talk about, man, that's the stuff. Like, that's yeah. that extra, that extra, you know, rep that you do in practice, that extra weight that you put on when you're practicing in the offseason. That's what you do it for is that extra effort. And it's great to see kids coming through in the moment, making plays happen, helping their teams win games. Yeah, it, it, I think we talked about it in one of the first episodes that that's what we hoped for in this fall season, right? You, you hoped for whether it's a senior making his one of his final plays or whether it's someone trying to stand out. So it's great that, and I don't think we expected anyone to, you know, playing relaxed or anything like that, but it's great that we have plays like that, that uh, are, are occurring in this fall season that we can celebrate. Yeah. Where's your second viewpoint? What else do you see? Well, and speaking of, of great play uh, by individual, individual efforts, I'm going Freeport Aquin quarterback, Will Gustafson. Yeah. Maybe a player that doesn't get talked about a lot, especially in the Quad City area with, with him being in Freeport. But he's certainly a, a terror in the NUIC. 
he surpasses 5,000 career yards, and that's that's combination of both passing and rushing, and yeah, 70 career touchdowns. Crazy, so, yeah. Uh, they, they win 61-28 over Rockford Christian. It's an entire team effort uh, for the number two Bulldogs, but uh, Will Gustafson just continues to impress. Yeah, we'll talk more about him and Aquin later on when we join with Kyle Kampmeyer. He has a lot to talk about. He knows them. He saw them play this past weekend. We'll have more great stuff there. My next viewpoint, I'm sticking in Class 1A. I want to give a little credit to the United Red Storm. It was their first game out, obviously, after the huge layoff that every team faced. Their first game out, they have to go up against Anawan Weathersfield, who may mm-hmm. be one of the best – they are the one of the best 1A teams in the state of Illinois. United struggled the past few years. So to come off of that layoff and then to see Anawan Weathersfield waiting for you when you take the field for the first time – I got to give credit to the Red Storm. They were down 30 to 6 with about a minute left in the first half. Man, it would have been easy for some teams to say, well, it's Anawan Weathersfield and they're going to yep. roll. Like that's, you know, but man, they, this Red Storm team was not quitting. They fought all the way through the second half. The final score in this one, 56 45. United comes up short, but man, to come up with 45 points against Anawan Weathersfield, I got to give them credit. That's a huge effort. I love to see it. Best of luck to them. Hopefully they can continue that, really build something in the spring, moving on into the fall. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and my third and final viewpoint, another another United team, just a little further north. I'm going with United Township. And another one of those efforts that you just you want to see uh, from, from any season, from any team, from any kid. But they're going up against one of their rivals, one of their conference rivals. Obviously, they're close in proximity. The number five team in 6A, Rock Island. Yeah, who they're coming off a huge win against Moline, a, a dynamic offense, and they come up short. They come up short. It's fifty-four to thirty-eight, but they showed a whole lot of fight that entire game, especially in that first half. I remember I, I wasn't able to watch this game, uh, but I remember seeing on Twitter. Um, and, and shout out to all the local reporters, by the way, who cover these games because that that helps a lot, especially for me not being in the area and seeing yeah. the games. I remember seeing like when the game started, and then incrementally like every four minutes it seemed like there was a touchdown or something in that game so um but UT they were paced by their senior running back Kane Smith he about just about 200 yards at halftime yeah with 223 he had four scores and look UT is trying to overcome a long losing streak in that conference if they put up effort like that every week which I think they're going to that streak's going to be over and it's going to be forgotten yeah, they seem like a very dangerous team. And, you know, we saw glimpses of it. They fought against Quincy on the road. But this was a, a performance that really, I think, opened some eyes. And I, I certainly saw a lot on Twitter, people agreeing with us, you know, the local reporters who were there, like you said. I think they saw something, too. Uh, my last one, I'm going with the Sterling Golden Warriors. Mm-hmm. They win against Geneseo, their rival, 41 to nothing. But I think what needs to be emphasized here, they get a shutout. They've only allowed six points, and that was in week one on the opening drive in the game from Alleman. So that's seven-plus quarters of shutout football in mm-hmm. the last two weeks. That's impressive. That's a great way to start. Sterling always has the offense. I mean, the last few years, they always have that. Yeah. And, I mean, their defense has been there too, but this defense is really stepping up. It's been an impressive performance so far. Just a lot of great football to talk about. And since we're in the Western Big Six, let's just jump right in. Let's talk about – the results from the Western Big Six. You talked about that Rocky United Township game, 54-38 final. Rock Island comes away with the win. But even in a winning effort, I think that a lot of people looked at UT as well to say that was eye-opening. They did a lot of stuff there. Um, what's You know, you've talked about them already, but what stood out to you? Talk about that effort. Yeah, um, like I said, it's hard to go away from what Kane Smith did. He put up 200-some yards uh, or just under 200 yards in that first half and really kept that game close. Uh, but in the end, it was rocky. The same thing that we saw last week against Moline. Uh, last week, they used a, a two-quarterback set with, with Devin Swift and Eli Reese. This week, it's really just the Eli Reese show. Uh, yeah. Swift is out with an injury. You hope he's, he's back. But there is plenty of weapons for that rocky offense. And again, another 50-point week. Um, Reese goes 20, 23 for 300 yards and three scores and two more on the ground. So it's just, you know, pick your poison when you play Rocky. That stat line was ridiculous. When I read that, it was like, holy cow. And like you said, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's exactly what I had written down that unfortunately Devin Swift was out, but man, Rocky's got so many weapons that step Mm -hmm. up and they're ready to go. That's a dynamic offense. That's a ton of fun to watch. 
They're going up against Galesburg next week. Yeah. Galesburg's a team that I talked up last week, and, man, they really proved, you know, what I thought I saw. They come away with a big win at, at home against Quincy, 46-17. Just a great all-around effort from Galesburg. I got to watch a little bit of this game, and they really just controlled it from start to finish. Galesburg had seven different people carry the ball. So you talk about just a multitude of weapons from Rock Island. This Galesburg team has that too. Mm -hmm. They racked up 256 yards on the ground, four touchdowns. You know, once again, some of the names we've talked about, Alex and Drea Gypsiaco both got the job done. Um, Grant Ayton started under center, but he did leave the game with a knee injury. Obviously we hope he's okay because he's a dynamic part of that offense. But Galesburg sophomore quarterback Tristan Legate stepped in, 9 of 12 passing, 222 yards, three three touchdowns. So filled right in as a sophomore, you know, looked really good. This is a really impressive effort from Galesburg. I don't want to get too far in, but what do you think about Galesburg Rocky next week? Yeah, and I think you you hit, you know, the nail on the head there when when you're putting up points like that and you're, you're doing it with a sophomore at quarterback. And, again, we hope Grant Eaton is okay. Um, maybe not as much of a passer as Ligate is, um, but he comes in and throws nine to 12 for 224 yards yeah. and three scores. Um, and, and not only as any quarterback in the Western big six, but a sophomore, especially to come in in that sort of role and to put up those numbers and put up a 46, 17 win over Quincy. Look out. I mean, that there's an under, underclassman that is going to uh, have a bright future. Yeah. Very excited for that game next week. Let's keep rolling through the Western big six. Sterling, they're a big winner, 41 to nothing, like we talked about. Um, is it a good start when Noe Aponte goes 55 yards for a touchdown on the first play of the game for Sterling? That's, that's a pretty good start. Yeah, yeah, if you're on the defense, it's not. But, yeah, if he's on your team, it, sure, it certainly is. Yeah, Aponte ends with 11 carries, 103 yards, and two touchdowns. He continues to roll right through. He looks great. The defensive effort, again, getting a shutout. Sterling continues to look good. But moving along, maybe the game of the week for me and, you know, the game of the week that stood out, Allman 20, Moline 14 in overtime. Mm-hmm. What a game. It was my viewpoint. Jack Padding strips the ball from Moline, returns it for a fumble recovery touchdown with a minute left in the game. That ties it up. They go on. Zach Carpita scores the game-winning touchdown on a four-yard carry in overtime. That's a heartbreaker if you're Moline, but that's yeah. a thriller. That is a huge bounce back if you're Alleman. Yeah. They wanted to get right after going, you know, facing a hard game against Sterling. They certainly did it. That's that's a huge win. Yeah, and I and I don't know if we have this or if you might have this, Greg. Was it was it Alleman's first win over Moline in a while? I'm not sure. I, I'd I, I don't have to know why back. it seems yeah. that way. My apologies to Alleman if it hasn't been, but uh, yeah, a game that they win that maybe takes you a little bit by surprise, and it's no disrespect to Allman um, by by any means. But yeah, anytime you have an, an overtime matchup like that with two great teams uh, in exciting fashion, like you said, the way it got set up and then the way it ended, kudos to to Allman for pulling it out. Yeah, we'll run through the uh, week three matchups in a little bit, but let's keep moving down and see what we saw in week two. Uh, Moving to the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, um, you know, the best team around there, Princeton Tigers, they continue to roll. They went up against their rival, Spring Valley Hall. They won this one big, 49-3. to This one never really in doubt. Three first quarter touchdowns, and Princeton rolled from there. Rondé Worrells had a touchdown, but I think the thing to watch out for, sophomore Keegan Davis, I saw the stat lines afterwards. He had two touchdown receptions. He had another touchdown running the ball. And then apparently later in the game, he also played quarterback. So I maybe, mean, maybe the will, maybe the will Gustafson of the, of the track, the, could, the do it all, the do it all player could very well be. I mean, that's, that's a dynamic player. If you can do all yeah. that. I mean, that's something really to watch for only a sophomore, a lot of excitement there. Um, keep moving down the list here. Fulton and Orion. Fulton gets the big win, their first win of this season, their first game of the season, 45-14. to 14. They really looked good, led by Connor Barnett, Kyler Pessman, and uh, Ethan Rash. They also had four interceptions on defense, just a really impressive start for the Steamers. Yeah, if you know anything about Fulton, just athletics in general, you're going to know Connor Barnett. Um, and I, I believe he's going on scholarship to play basketball. I think, I, I don't know where, but he's, okay. he leads that steamer basketball team, which has always historically been great, but especially this past season, 
he finishes just under 200 yards through the air. Um, and yeah, like you said, uh, uh, Pestman has over 100 yards of offense. Rash is 135. So um, yeah, Fulton's first game of the season, and they uh, they made a statement. Yeah, they certainly didn't look like they they've missed a beat in the time off. As for Orion, you know, this is another this is another tough one for them, another tough loss. I think kind of hearing some of the postgame remarks from Chip Filler, I think they're kind of trying to work through some things. I think they have a lot of underclassmen that are playing in some, you know, trying to get acclimated to the varsity system. Yeah. If there's a positive to being spring, it's that you're going to turn around and, you know, you're going to be right back at football in the fall. So, you know, like yeah. we talked about with a lot of teams. Yeah. We, we talked about that just in, in general in, in this in this spring session. You know, if that's – what a perfect way to go through growing pains. It's hard to say, but at least you have that opportunity to do it. Um, yep. So, yeah, you know, not taking too much stock in that. Orient's going to bounce back. They're going to get it right. But, uh, again, credit to Fulton because they, they rolled. Yep. Mitch, you called this one. You said – Rockridge. It, it pains me. Pains me to say it. <laughs> I know. As a Morrison grad, you called it and you said, Rock Ridge, upset alert. They're gonna they're gonna get Morrison this week. And they do it. Rock Ridge wins 34-22. Rockets scored the fa- final 14 points of the game. So a comeback effort. Morrison led at the half 16-14. Great effort from Rock from the Rockets. Like you said, this Mustang defense has really been solid over the last year and a half. And that's an effort for Rockridge to come away with a win. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's a new offensive look or maybe it's just personnel, you know, if it's new personnel or maybe just grown into it. But I've, I've said Braden Deem's name the past couple of times, and, and I said it earlier, Peyton Locke. They combined for all five touchdowns. So, um, yeah, when we look at, at week three and then beyond, look at Rockridge to make, make a solid uh, run in this spring. Another great game this past week in the Three Rivers. Kiwani edges out. Erie Profits down 21-14. Kiwani took the ball down by a point, had to go 84 yards in under a minute to go ahead in the final, which to score a touchdown to go ahead 21-14. So, man, coming in clutch, the Boilermakers knocking off Erie Profits down. That's a nice win to start the season for them, knowing they got a big rivalry game coming up next week. Yeah, uh, not to not to tease anything because we're going to get into it, but what a, a good win for Kiwani. Um, you know, EP, Kiwani took the lead early in that game, and then EP held it for, for a while. Um, yep. They had they had two scores, um, and it just, Kiwani had that last that last punch, so to speak. Yep, absolutely. Uh, looking through a few other scores in the Three Rivers. Newman, they're back, 42 to nothing over Never Bureau left. Valley. Yeah. Never left. Yep, they took care of business there against Bureau Valley. Sherrard gets a big win over Riverdale, 30-8 to in their first action of the season. And Monmouth-Roseville falls on the road to St. Bede, 27 to nothing. Let's flip to the Lincoln Trail Conference. A great game, the game that I watched um, on Friday night, Mercer County over Ridgewood, 14-6. to Like we talked about in my viewpoints, Mercer County's Brecken Heinrichs blocks a punt deep in Ridgewood territory in the fourth quarter. That sets up Matthew Lucas to Eli Hoffman. They had to convert in that drive a fourth down and 16. They convert then. That eventually leads to Lucas throwing to Matthew Gray for a touchdown on another fourth down, which would be the game winner. Just a huge effort from the, Lincoln, from the Mercer County Golden Eagles. They fell in a tough game against Princeville in week one, so they were able to bounce back. And even after they scored – Ridgewood still had time left on the clock. They drove all the way downfield in the final minutes. They had a fourth down of their own from the 10-yard line with 23 seconds left to go. Colton Stahl connected with wide receiver Lucas Kessinger in the corner of the end zone. Now, in the game, in the, in the feed I was watching, it cuts out. You can't see the corner of the end zone because it's being blocked. But from all indications on WRMJ Radio, I was listening to it with John Hoshite. He said it was a heck of a leaping effort, a one-handed catch, like, you know, college NFL-style mm-hmm. catch, but they ruled he landed out of bounds. Like, man, game of heartbreak. inches, Mitch. I know, game of inches. Ridgewood yeah. was looking to go to 2-0. and That's a heartbreaker, but just a heck of an effort from both teams. What a game. Yeah, like you said, a heartbreaking for one team, exciting for another. But uh, like we talked about, that's 
that's the excitement of high school football. And, and we're happy that we have games like this to talk about in the spring. So there's, there's fight uh, everywhere across the, uh, across the state. So it's good to see. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk a little bit more about Ridgewood in a minute. They got a big matchup coming up in week three, but let's keep rolling through some scores here. Marquette over Stark County. They get the win mm-hmm. 37 to eight Princeville actually steps out of conference too. Um, they take on Knoxville, who will end up being a future Lincoln Trail opponent. They get the win 22-8. to eight. So that's a nice win for Princeville, yeah. a 2A Knoxville team who was a playoff team back in 19. That's a big one. And then another future uh, Lincoln Trail team, A-Town. Abingdon Avon gets the win over Illini West 21-20. The other game I want to talk about, obviously, for certainly not, last but not least, Anawan Weathersfield gets the win yeah. 56-45 over United. I talked about it in my viewpoints. Huge credit to United. They were down at halftime 30-12. to 12. They actually scored right before the half to even get to double digits to get to that 12 points. But the effort they put up, their offense looks like they have some pieces. And to show this kind of effort against a team as good as Anawan Weathersfield, that stands out to me. You hope it's something they can keep building on. Yeah, same, same thing that I talked about with United Township against Rocky. It's not easy to score that many points against really good teams like that. And even though you, you come up short in these games, like you have proved maybe even more in an effort like that. And you have put the pieces in place to go forward. And I think if you, if you look at United and you, with United and you look at United Township, the pieces are there. They put up good performances in this week and they're going to get those wins if they keep doing that. Yeah, let's run through the scores real quick here um, from the Northwest Upstate Illini. We have Dupec over Stockton, 28-6. to We have East Dubuque over Dakota, 28-7. EPC gets a win over Amboy, 30-13. to Lena Winslow gets the win over Orangeville. That was a big matchup, 22-12. to Galena moves to 2-0 with a huge win over West Carroll, 53 to nothing. Aquin gets the big win over Rockford Christian, 61 to 28. And Milledgeville moves on to 2-0. They get a win over Forreston, 14 to 12. That may be a little bit of an upset. Mitch, what yeah. did you see out of that Aquin game? I mean, we talked about it a little bit in your viewpoints. Aquin put yeah. a ton of points uh, again. Yeah, we, we talked about it in my, in my viewpoint uh, that that Bulldog offense just continues to, to look good and continues to put up a lot of points. Again, 61 this week over Rockford Christian. Um, and, we, and we talked a lot about Will Gustafson, and, and rightfully so. But he's got he's got weapons too. I mean, a quarterback is is going to lead the charge. But you've got guys like Ty Steichel. He finishes for 221 yards rushing and four scores. Um, and then Gus, Gustafson's got guys to throw to like Andrew Bowman and Brennan Carlson. They combine for eight catches, right at 200 yards and two scores. So again, the Bulldogs are rolling. Um, and again, a, a good performance this week. Well, Mitch, let's go through. What do we got coming up in, uh, in week three? What, uh, give me the rundown here and some of the matchups that stand out to us. What conference do you want to start with, Greg? Well, let's start, let's start with the biggest. We'll go Western Big Six and move our way back. Sure. Yeah, maybe a matchup that we didn't think would be uh, as big maybe at the beginning of the year, but a battle of two unbeaten schools. Galesburg and Rock Island are going to tangle. Uh, that one's at Rocky. Uh, you've got Moline uh, trying to get their first win of the season against another team looking for their first win in East Moline. Big rivalry game there. That's going to be at the Soul Bowl at UT. Sterling looking to keep things rolling against Quincy uh, and then Geneseo and Almond are going to play, but they don't play till Monday. So a little bit of a, uh, of a stretch here with the holidays um, uh, and a Monday game. You'll, you always love to see a, a Monday game here, but uh, they'll tangle on Monday. Some Monday night football there in the Western there you Big go. Six. Man, that game, that Galesburg Rocky game, that's, that's appointment streaming for me. I got to find that one. Yeah. I got to watch that one. That yeah, just the, the, the offense, Rocky... the yeah, offensive the... buildup is just, so good. It, that should be a shootout. That's a Big 12-style matchup, you know, it, it yeah, seems right. like. Yeah, Yeah. Don't want to say there's not going to be any defense there because I think both teams certainly will have it. But, uh, but yeah, the offenses are certainly going to have a, a look like that. Sure. Yeah, I, and I think the other game that's interesting is that, you know, Moline-United Township game. I think with all the positive momentum that United Township has building up, but then on the opposite side, man, Moline's got to be antsy to get back on a football mm-hmm. field. You know, you want to erase that memory of last week as, as soon as you can. So I think they come in motivated for almost complete opposite reasons. But, you know, it's like, right. it's like two trains coming down the tracks at each other. Something, <laughs> yeah. Something's got to give. So that, right. that's an exciting matchup too. 
yeah, two teams coming off of heartbreaking losses um, and looking for the first win. So that's, that's a good recipe for a good football game. Yep. What else we got? Let's go down to the Lincoln Trail. Or, yeah, Lincoln Trail. Sure. Uh, Lincoln Trail, we've got Weathersfield coming off another win. They're going to go uh, up against Ridgewood. Um, so that'll be at Cambridge. That's a Thursday night game. Actually, all the games in Lincoln Trail are going to be Thursday this week. So a little bit of earlier action. Yep. Uh, you've got United coming off, like you were talking about, that spirited win against a team who well, was on they, the other they side. Fell, they fell short, but United coming off the effort that they put up, yeah. Right, I'm sorry. That's Yes, you, you got it. Uh, coming off a team that had a close win. So uh, a team that's in, in Mercer County. So that you've got yep. Monmouth United against Mercer County. That's also Thursday, as I said. That's at, uh, at Alito. And then Mid-County goes up against Stark County. Um, that's actually being played at Gary Johnson Field in Wyoming, uh, yep. also on Thursday. Yep. That, that's an in, a couple interesting matchups there. Like you said, the Anawan Weathersfield and Ridgewood, I think two teams that are up near the top of the conference. Yeah. Um, even, even after a loss, I still think Ridgewood is one of the more talented teams in the Lincoln Trail this year. And uh, certainly seeing United and um, Mercer County, that's just mm -hmm. two teams that are coming in with, you know, a little positive momentum. That, that should be an interesting one too. Uh, yep. Let's go to the three rivers. Let's go to the track eight, as Mitch would call it. Yeah, right. Uh, more, more Thursday night football for us here, Greg. Okay. Um, start off, again, two teams that are coming off wins, Kiwani and Princeton. That's going to be a good one. Uh, that's at Princeton on Thursday night. See if both teams can, can capitalize on last week uh, or keep the, the ball rolling, so to speak. Uh, you've got St. Bede, uh, who's coming off a win against EP. That's at Erie on Thursday. Fulton, who, as we mentioned, put up just a ton of points. Yep. Going against a struggling Riverdale team that's at Riverdale on Thursday night. Barrel Valley and Hall, two teams looking for their first wins. That's at Hall on – that's actually on Saturday. Uh, and then Orion and Monmouth-Roseville, a, a good matchup of, of close teams. Uh, that's at Coach Dobry Field, also on Thursday. Awesome. Well, Mitch, before we get to the Northwest Upstate Illini and what they have coming in week three, what games stand out to you in the list we just went through? Yeah, I think – uh, two games in, in the Western Big Six. The Galesburg and Rocky, obviously two, two unbeaten teams. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, uh, Moline and East Moline, two teams looking for their first win. So uh, great matchups there in the Western Big Six. Three Rivers, you know, you look and see if Bureau Valley and Hall, who's going to get their first win of the season. Uh, you look and see Kiwani and Princeton, that's going to be a good one. Uh, see a good, a good way for Kiwani to see how they match up with, with a good team like Princeton. Uh, Lincoln Trail, like you mentioned, Weathersfield and Ridgewood is going to be a great game. So, yeah, exciting uh, matchups here in week three. Yeah, I'm always a big fan. The Kiwani-Princeton rivalry, it's one of the oldest rivalries in the state of Illinois. They play for a huge trophy, which looks awesome. So I'm glad that that's a rivalry that, you know, gets played every year. They took a couple years off when they went to separate conferences, and now they're back together. So that's a game that always stands out to me. But um, the like you said, Anawan Weathersfield and Ridgewood, I think that, you know, Ridgewood's coming off a heartbreaker, but they got some pieces. They got some talent. I think that, um, you know, that could be a good game. And I, I would like to see what they can do against a very talented Anawan Weathersfield mm -hmm. team. Well, Mitch, let's go through what we got in the Northwest Upstate Illini. And then what do you say we bring in Kyle Campmeyer and let's really dive yeah. into some NUIC football. How about that? Yeah, he's, he's the leading authority on this conference. So we can, yep. we can talk about matchups and results, but he's going to be the one that really can dive, can dive deep into it. So uh, yeah, exciting week in the conference here coming up. Uh, Ashton AFC going up against Stockton. That's at Stockton. Uh, Forsen and Amboy, two classic power matchups or yep. power teams, I should say. That's going to be played at Amboy. Here, here's the big one of the, of the conference that we'll, we'll talk about here in a minute. It's Aquin and Milledgeville, two undefeated teams. That's at Milledgeville on Saturday. Uh, Dakota and Dupec, that's at Rockford Auburn on Saturday. Uh, Galena and Orangeville. Galena trying to go 3-0. and uh, They got to go to Orangeville to play on Saturday. Uh, and then Lee Wynn coming off their first win of the season. They're going to play East Dubuque. That's at East Dubuque High School. Yeah, there's a couple games in there that I, that I think stand out to me that could be games to watch out for. But before we go any farther, I say we welcome in Kyle Campmeyer from NUIC Football. Mitch, let's dive into some good small school football. What do you say? Let's do it. Well, Mitch, we've ran down the Western Big Six, the Lincoln Trail, the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Let's jump into the Northwest Upstate Illini. And this week, if we're talking NUIC football, I figure we got to hear from the man who knows everything about the Northwest Upstate Illini, Kyle Campmeyer with NUIC Football. You can follow them on Twitter. They do a great job at NUIC Football. They're on Facebook. They got videos on YouTube. 
they're killing it. You guys are killing it. Kyle, thanks so much for being here. It's a pleasure being on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you know, let's jump right in and talk about this, you know, spring season and what it looks like in the NUIC. Before we talk about week two or looking ahead to week three, I want to jump back to week one and Lee Wynn traveling to Princeton, a game that kind of came out of nowhere when the schedule, you know, when the scheduling gods worked out and it became available. Um, talk about that game, that atmosphere. It just, man, it's, it's March and it's the first week of the spring season, but it felt like a big time game, didn't it? It did. I, as soon as I pulled into Princeton, you know, I saw the band assembling, getting ready to walk onto the field. So I was like instant moment. I pulled out my phone. I grabbed the video. Um, obviously people have seen it on Twitter and on Facebook already. Uh, and it just, this, this, as soon as the drums started playing, it just put that feel like, wow, football's back. And it was awesome. Yeah. You know, and the game, the way the game started, it was like, Man, there was no waste in any time. These teams were ready to go. You could tell that they had been itching to get onto a football field. There were points scored like crazy. Princeton eventually pulled away. Lee Wynn had some injuries that kind of caught up with them, I think, a little bit. But talk about the start of that game and what you saw from Lee Wynn right away. Well, right away out of the gates, you know, it was more getting used to taking on Rondé Whirls in that game. Uh, obviously, he had a quick nine-yard run right off the first play of the game, and he followed that up with another 10-yarder or so. And um, as soon as, you know, the first couple hits got out of the way, Lena's, Lena Winslow started to uh, kind of adjust, and then they were able to force that fumble that Ethan Fye was able to pick up and take it to the house. And I mean, it was a bizarre moment because obviously there were no Lee Wynn fans there. So the entire stadium just was hushed and it was <laughs> awkward because the only noise you heard was the Lena Winslow sideline. Uh, but, you know, that, like you said, a quick start for Lena Winslow getting on the board, getting up six, nothing early. Um, obviously, Princeton was able to come back and um, score and capitalize on a Worrell's touchdown run. And then you know, Mari Roby broke off that big 64 yarder and put Lena Winslow back in front uh, to give Lena Winslow a 14-7 lead going into the second quarter. And it was like, oh, cool. This is going to be an awesome game. Obviously, Princeton answered right away, eight seconds in the second quarter, tie it up. And then, then we had the Roby injury. And as soon as he went out, you know, Princeton saw that, attacked it with the uh, – Tyler Gibson to Bennett Searin's touchdown pass down the left sideline, which would have been where Roby was playing at. Um, and they capitalized on some uh, bad coverage. I believe Lena Winslow called a cover four there, and the DB never did the cover four and left Searin's wide open down the left sideline. And from that moment, you could kind of feel the sails fall out of uh, Lena Winslow on the sideline as well. Obviously, uh, they added another touchdown. Um, from uh, Augie Christensen there in the uh, later part of the second quarter uh, to take that 28 to 14 lead in the halftime. But one of the most impressive parts I found in the second half was how well Lena Winslow was able to uh, basically stave off uh, Princeton most of the second half. Obviously, they were able to get another Worrell's touchdown run in there to make the final the 35 to 14 score. But the way Lena Winslow played in that second half really showed their heart uh, in the game and their desire to want to be playing Panther football. Um, they never backed down. Obviously, it was a tough challenge. Um, I had a conversation earlier in the week with somebody, you know, you're going up against a Division One running back. I'll take that over a Division One lineman any day. And obviously, we didn't get to see Jennings Dunker play. I think he would have been a definite uh, big uh, force to be reckoned with on both the offensive and defensive lines had he been in there. I mean, I don't know if you've seen him yet, but he's up to 315 pounds and he's ready to go. And, uh, but unfortunately he's not able to go yet. Um, mentally he's there physically he can't, uh, but you know, the fight that they put on was really impressive to see, especially going up against a power that Princeton is expected to be in the 2021 spring season. Yeah, circling back to, to Mari Roby, it's funny because what you just said basically echoes what Greg and I talked about, that that was really the turning point of the game. Um, and they, they attacked Lee Wynn just, you know, right after they got possession after he went down. So, um, but Lee Wynn's a program who's always had a stable of backs. And so how do they, 
it, it sounds like he'll probably be back for the fall. Hopefully, hopefully his recovery goes well. So where do they turn to now? Uh, who, you know, who's in line next and, and how do they keep that, that train of good running backs going here the rest of not only this spring, but even heading into the fall? Well, you know, heading into the fall, you know, right now you have Jack Sederstrom, which you saw um, get some carries in that game against uh, Princeton. I think he had, you know, 30 yards, car- 30 yards total. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't real effective. So that goes to the, you know, the way that coach Pearson and uh, his staff was able to really hone in on what Lena Winslow wanted to do. Um, some other guys, you know, that have stepped up are like Ethan Fye. He had a huge game this past week for Lena Winslow against Orangeville. Um, and then uh, they're u- utilizing uh, Jensen Block as well. Um, and you can see the difference that the dynamic of losing Mari Roby has had for the Panthers. And um, as far as what they have coming up, obviously, thankfully, like you said, Roby is coming back for the Panthers. Uh, he should be ready to go full force, provided that his recovery goes well. Um, it was a broken tibia that he had, so um, those tend to heal a little bit quicker. But, um, you know, right now it's it's kind of hard to tell where uh, Lena Wenzel is going. They had a transfer from uh, Wheaton Warrenville South coming this year in Evan England, who will be uh, leaving at the end of the school year to go to Loris College, where he's going to be playing football there. Um but, you know, you have some other guys that are going to be coming up. I'm sure that they'll use, uh, like, Brody Mann is another guy who hasn't had carries yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if going into the fall season, he's one of those guys that they put back there. Uh, Brady Eilders is another one that they may be able to utilize. Um, and outside of that, it's, it's, it's kind of a next man up with Lena Winslow, and that's how Coach Aaron has had it in his entire time there. Yeah, we, we talked about when the year started that Mari Roby was stepping in and it was no surprise that Lena Winslow had depth at running back. But man, talk about him briefly. He, that run he had, that was electric. I mean, I was just clamoring to see more and just, you know, heartbroken for him and for the team to see him go down with the injury. I can't wait for next fall. I mean, he, he is a dynamic running back, isn't he? He is electric. Um, what most people around the area know, but others outside the area don't know is he's the younger brother of Ravion Valentine. And um, obviously Ravion was at NIU, was offered a scholarship. Unfortunately, his career ended due to concussions, but Coach Hammond has kept him on staff uh, as, in a, as a, in a coaching role, basically, to help keep him uh, going forward in football and Ravion's goal now is to get to the NFL there. As far as what uh, Mari has, Mari has a lot of the same skill set that Ravion showed a couple years ago for Lena Winslow and in a great career that he had. And uh, Mari doesn't quite have Ravion's size, but when it comes to speed, I think he's definitely got a little bit more speed than what Ravion had. And, um, he is starting to grow. I mean, you guys know, or at least probably have heard that he's a wrestler and uh, he's very strong uh, despite his um, size. And he just continues to work his butt off in the weight room and keeps getting stronger as well. Yeah. That's what me and Mitch had talked about that, you know, before he got injured, you heard his name, obviously running the ball, but man, it felt like we were here. The PA system call his name for tackles just repeatedly. He was making plays on offense and defense. So he was. Yeah, absolutely. He, you know, he was all over the place. You know, Lena Winslow is a team that we knew would be there. They're always in the mix in the NUIC. Let's talk about a few teams that maybe are a little bit of a surprise here. I'm talking about 2-0 Galena and 2-0 Milledgeville. What have you seen from them? Does it surprise you? Um, Galena isn't too much surprising I I mean their first game against EPC I had EPC picked in that one this past week against West Carroll I definitely had West or Galena picked in that matchup but I'm not surprised we've been talking about Galena having some younger teams coming up that you could tell were going to be solidified and coach Freed has been able to get them going Um, we saw some things with Galena last year that said that they were right there I mean they played with Orangeville in a very close game Uh, they played with Dupec in a very close game both teams that made the playoff field last year both made it into the second round in fact Um, so it was just a matter of time and right now we're just seeing that combination 
of everything coming to fruition for Galena so far this year. We're going to have a big game this weekend when they take on Orangeville to see exactly how far they have come. But, uh, you know, I'm very impressed with Galena. They've done a lot there. Milledgeville is the surprise, though. I, I did not expect Milledgeville to be where they're at. They beat a very tough Stockton team. They took down a perennial power in Forreston this past weekend. And, um, you know, I was at the Forreston game, and Forreston got off to a quick start. They were up 6 nothing, 12 seconds into the game. Milledgeville just kind of hung around. They stayed there. They kept fighting. Granted, Forreston made some mistakes that cost them some opportunities, but as the game went on, Milledgeville continued to grow stronger in that game and really dominated most of that game in the fourth quarter. And then, of course, were able to tie it up and then in overtime took control. Yeah, so with those two teams being uh, surprise teams, I want to kind of jump to the team that's listed at the top of your rankings, uh, and that's Aquin, led by one of probably the state's better athletes and maybe who doesn't get a lot of coverage in the Quad City area, but I was wondering if maybe you can talk about what Will Gustafson's done in his career there, what he's doing this season, and just in terms of what that team does all together. Well, you know, it's one of the things that uh, Aquin is very explosive. We knew they were going to be very explosive coming into the season. They had over 8,000 career total yards coming back on the season. And, and Will Gustafson is dynamic on both sides of the ball. Normally, you don't see quarterbacks playing defense too often. And not only is he playing defensive back, but he is wanting to come up and pop you. You know, he, he's not one that wants to play back. In fact, there was a play call uh, this past weekend against Rockford Christian where he needed to be in coverage zone, but he didn't want to be in coverage zone. He wanted to be uh, making a play up on the line. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. He is a great, great competitor. Like you said, very ex excellent athlete. Um, he just uh, surpassed 2,000 career yards rushing in week one. Last week, or this past weekend, he surpassed 3,000 career yards passing. Um, he has over 70 career touchdowns. Uh, definitely making his way up the list. Obviously, between passing and rushing, he's not going to land at the top of the list on either one in NUIC history, but his touchdowns are very close to topping the all-time charts there. Uh, very dynamic player, a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, a lot of people have seen it on the basketball court from him too. I mean, he was a starter for the Bulldogs in basketball for all four years of his high school career. And um, he's just, he's one of those kids when he's on the field, he comes off as kind of being a little cocky because of the way he plays. He kind of wants to get up in your face. He wants to do that. But at the same time, you get him off the field. He's quiet. He's humble. He's very thankful for all the opportunities, has a great family surrounding him. Uh, obviously, great friends and players, teammates, coaching staff. He's just a remarkable person, obviously a great student. As far as what he's going to do moving forward, it's unfortunate he's not getting as many looks as he should for football. And obviously, nobody expects him to be a quarterback. He's only 5'7", 5'8". But, you know, as a dynamic player, he could easily fill in a slot receiver like a Wes Welker type somewhere for somebody. So hopefully something happens there. But uh, who knows what's really going to play out for Will at this moment. Yeah, you know, Will and plenty of other athletes to talk about in the NUIC. But what I think is interesting is who are the underclassmen, you know, the sophomores or juniors that are standing out to you in the spring, knowing that they're going to maybe get a good tune-up going into the fall football season when they go for real, you know, for a full schedule and playoff time? You know, a couple of the guys that I've really been um, honing in on, there's, there's quite a few really. Um, and looking at the Dupec Riverman, Hunter Hoffman, I mean, he's been on fire to start the season. He's throwing over a 60% completion clip. We named him our player of the week this past week for having 303 yards passing against uh, Stockton on 23 of 35 passing there. Um, and, you know, Hunter's one of those kids. He's looking to shoot up the all-time passing list. That's one of his goals. And uh, I think he can definitely make a good fight for that. Um, another one that has really stood out is Dupex linebacker Drake Fortson. He's only a junior, first-year starter. Um, you know, seeing him this past weekend, he's definitely taken the lead 
on that defense at his Mike linebacker position. Um, you can see it already. He's becoming more vocal in his play calling, uh, more vocal with his teammates, even though, the, you know, he's telling seniors what to do. And that's not common when you're a first-year starter. Um, but he's making it happen. Jake Anderson's another one. Here's a kid who this is his first year getting varsity time, and he's getting a lot of college recruits because he's been going to the camps. He's been getting his film out there, and uh, he's really uh, proven himself uh, a lot. Um, another one I really like is in Galena. You have Ethan Hayfle at quarterback, and you got Brady Shemahorn at receiver, and those two have been been making a very good uh, connection early on to help get Galena to that 2-0 start. You add in the line play of Gabe Garcia as well, who last year as a sophomore was an honorable mention all-conference player. He's really increased his level of play and is a big one to look out for. And, you know, it's one of those things when you think of Galena, you think that, oh, wow, they have a kicker. Well, they do. And Kevin Trinidad, who also is an offensive and defensive lineman, it's not the usual concoction you see in a kicker, but he's got a boot on him. He does a really good job. And, of course, offensively and defensively has been a, a staple for the Pirates as well you don't see kickers with the neck roll enough so that's uh I'm <laughs> sure that's a great that's a great look I'm sure it's good right and of course you know we can't we've already talked about him, but Mari Roby coming back is definitely going to be you know one of the staples in the NUIC come this fall yeah, we, we've talked about you know players that we we've, we've liked I want to look ahead a little bit. What's what's a week three matchup that that you're looking forward to, or maybe that the viewers uh, should be looking out for? I think the uh, Galena Orangeville game this week is going to be a big one. Obviously, Galena comes in at two and zero. Orangeville at one and one. It's Orangeville's home opener. Um, they're playing it in Orangeville Saturday afternoon at one o'clock. Uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, that game last year, Orangeville won nine to nothing. Um, Orangeville obviously has a lot of returning starters that are seniors this year, uh, a lot of all-conference players off that team, and it's going to be a good matchup with Galena. I mean, one of the things about Galena this year is they're so well-balanced with Peyton Bauer in the at fullback and um, being able to run a double wing, and then they can go into an I formation, and then they go five wide, they go four wide. I mean, they, they, they hit you from different facets because their line is so good right now that they can be able to do the pass blocking and the run schemes all at the same time. And uh, Coach Freed has even made the comment already that this is probably his best team since the 2015 team. And unfortunately, we didn't get to see the true potential of the 2015 team shape out, but they were preseason number one at the start of the season. A lot of people had him picked to go to state, but got upset in the first round that year. Another good one that I have my eye on and I'll be at is the Aquin Milledgeville game. I'm making my way down to Floyd Daub just to see, uh, you know, what Milledgeville can do. Obviously, this game wasn't a very close one last year where Aquin won 42 to 14. Um, I'm kind of expecting Aquin to do the same thing, but you never know. With Coach Digman there and Coach Robo calling the plays, um, they can concoct some stuff. Milledgeville is definitely not very big. Uh, Aquin's going to have that advantage up front, but Milledgeville is a very scrappy team and they're going to give you your, their best effort. And, you know, two of the guys that have really stood out the past two weeks are Damon Miller and Ryan Kendall. And uh, on both sides of the ball, both at running back and uh, Miller's been leading the defense at mill linebacker and Kendall has been playing uh more like a strong safety where he's coming up to hit you from the defense of the backfield. You know, I think looking at scores that we've seen the last few weeks, I think it's got to be the matchup has to be Milledgeville's defense versus Aquin's offense. You know, that, that's got to be the matchup. It is. It is because, um, you know, Coach Robel even said it on his postgame presser uh, Friday night. He goes, man, we got to go up against Will Gustafson. He's got like a million yards or something in his career. And uh, we got to figure out a way to stop him. And he's not wrong. Obviously, everybody knows that you got to stop Gustafson. Uh, that's he's got to be your focal point when you're playing the Bulldogs. And, uh, you know, you guys made mention that we moved the Bulldogs up to number one. And a lot of it's because of how hot they are. I mean, they're doing it on both sides of the ball right now. Uh, probably the best out of any team in the NUIC through the first two weeks. And that's why they got the jump up to number one, surpassing Lena Winslow, which is probably going to surprise some people. But um, it is what it is at this point. I think they've, they've proven it, you know, and their record stands to show it as well. All right, before we let you go, we're going we're gonna to put you on the spot looking way ahead. 
Next year, Fulton joins the NUIC. So who's going to be the best team in the Northwest Upstate Illini next year? Come the fall, when we have playoff time rolling around, who do you see standing at the end? Uh, well, right now, <laughs> yeah. it sounds bad, but I still have Lena Winslow at the top going in the next year, especially with Roby coming back. Benson at quarterback back. You just, you have so much experience there. And uh, the way that Lena Winslow develops their weight training program, um, it's hard to find somebody to compete against them. And that's the reason why they put the work in. Uh, you've heard coach Aaron probably say it numerous times. Their staff has been together for 20 years and they know each other. They know what each other wants to do. You take a look at coach Benson. He's the basketball coach coach milder is the wrestling coach so um they're they're the head baseball coach at lena winslow's the junior high football coach they they keep it in the family so to speak and they keep building these guys up and uh their weight program is second to none around here do you yeah absolutely um do you know how the divisions are going to shake out have they made any official announcement with Forrest or with fulton coming in and milledgeville going to eight man um, I don't think we're going to have the divisional play because it's going to be a 10 team conference. So it'll just be a closed conference, all conference games. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Well, that no, regardless of the alignment, it's a lot of fun. Any, any way it shakes out. So it's going to well, be great. And, and nobody can complain, right? Cause you're going to be able to play everybody in the conference and the NUIC is going to be guaranteed, guaranteed five teams in the playoffs. So that's a great uh, point. That's a great point. Can't complain because every week is going to be up for the playoffs. All right. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for being here this week. But for our listeners, we're not done with Kyle just yet. We got a bonus episode coming out later this week, coming out this weekend. Kyle, we need you and we need your opinions on the best uniforms in the Northwest Upstate Illini. Mitch and I are uniform guys. So we've been doing our UniView power rankings we're going through conference by conference. And when we started talking about it, I thought, well, I got to get, I got to get Kyle in here. One, cause you have all of the photos. So I appreciate that. <laughs> we could get a look at everybody, which was great. And uh, you know, I, I got to get your take on all that. So that episode for everybody listening, that'll be coming out later in the week. It'll be a little bonus episode, but uh, Kyle, that's all I got this week. I look forward to another great week of Northwest upstate Illini football. And also, you know, to everybody listening, Follow on Twitter at NUIC football and go to YouTube, search NUIC football. They do great game recaps, previews, looks ahead. And Kyle, I really appreciate you're always, you're always giving us love. Our podcast is always getting retweeted from your account. So I really appreciate I it. it. Yeah, you bet. I love it. And I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always fun talking football, especially with different people from different parts of the state. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here and I'm sure we will talk soon. All right. Thank you. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.